You are Locked On Wild, your Minnesota Wild every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Booley, and with me is Tony Abbott. We are going to join back in uh, with our part two of our conversation with Nate Wells from NCAA.com. Uh, if you listened to yesterday, we left off talking about Matt Boldy. We're going to pick right back up here into our conversation uh, talking about the other players on the Boston College Eagles that were drafted by the Minnesota Wild, like uh, Marshall Warren and Jack McBain. So, Nate, I'm going to throw it to you here on uh, Marshall Warren. He was a six-round pick in the same draft as Matt Boldy uh, during last summer's entry draft. Um, first year again with uh, with Boston College, and he's had a pretty solid uh, start to his uh, college career as a defenseman. He has, yeah. One of the things, um, watching a few BC games that I really thought was smart, um, Boston College, have a, they have a... They have a, a very big senior class, and they bring in some high-quality freshmen. Um, obviously, they have the three first-round picks. Drew Hellison, I believe, is also a, a second-round pick. But they split up their D uh, for a good portion, um, where you'd have put a freshman with the senior, and obviously um, Warren being one of the freshmen uh, playing the senior. Um, he, he he he's a player where he he did contribute to the offense. He kind of he didn't have those responsive the same responsibilities that. Uh, Boldy did, or even uh, Jack McBain, who um, the third the third Boston College player. But he certainly, uh, you, when you watch Boston College and you get a chance to kind of focus in on Warren, he's a player who his skating really uh, stands out. It's kind of almost a running theme of just the uh, of the players who uh, were drafted on that in this past uh, 2019 draft for the Wild. Um, he's just kind of takes up a lot of space. Uh, he kind of is a quick mover in transitioning. Um, and he might not really, uh, jump out as much. And even that in a way, that's kind of just the way it is as a defenseman, um, gets a little bit overlooked on this BC team. I mean, it's overlooked before on the U S national team that, uh, ends up pretty much the entire team gets drafted, uh, mm-hmm. have about, about nine or 10 first round picks, but I'm really kind of curious to see maybe what uh, he's able to do um, next year with this BC team, just get a little bit more responsibility and uh, see what he does with it. Okay. And you mentioned Jack McBain. Um, he's been a player that, you know, I haven't, I've certainly known about Jack McBain, but I wouldn't say I know about Jack McBain because I, he's been a part of BC now for a couple of years and like he's he's shown up on these prospect lists and their prospect reports, but I'm not going to say that I know really a ton about him. I've never really actually had a good chance to really watch him play. What can you tell us about Jack McBain? Yeah, he and even I mean with BC, like he's he gets opportunities, um, but um, just based on either the high end play, uh, players that uh, the Eagles have, he's almost uh, kind of gets overlooked. Uh, in their uh, in their top six, top nine, just getting those opportunities. Um, I tried playing them with a few different players. Um, obviously, in BC, we talked about the freshman line in uh, yesterday's episode. They still had Logan Hutsko. They got the um, uh, they got Cotton, David Cotton there. Uh, we got uh, Julius Matilla. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> um, but just it's they're a very they're a very talented team, and it's those opportunities don't come by uh, as as often. Maybe some you like um, McBain's one of those players where 
he's able to contribute. Um, you see enough of it where you just you kind of you, you think that maybe he's going to be turning the corner, and he hasn't really hit. But uh, every time you think that, it just it it, it keeps continuing. There's, there's not that consistency, at least uh, from the from the games that I've seen of BC. Um, but uh, as as uh, the Eagles lose um, a few of those players who uh, just mentioned, we'll kind of see what uh, what happens as he becomes an upperclassman, uh, turns into uh, one of the leaders on uh, the BC team. It is interesting to think about what he might be, just because you know, like as as far as I understand, he has decent skills packed in a in a very projectable uh, frame. Like he's a, he's a big kid. Um, I, I think his skating might be like a little bit of an issue, but at the same time, like, you know, even if you're not the greatest skater at six, three, 200 pounds, you know, you, you should be, you know, there, there are other ways that that can afford to make up for that. Right. Yeah, there certainly are. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways you're going to contribute and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that he, he he's not going to like, he doesn't, uh, there isn't places where he doesn't contribute because, uh, Obviously, he does. I mean, he put up uh, over twenty points as a sophomore, which is not no uh, mm-hmm. joking matter or anything. No, not at all. Yeah. So it's yeah, it, it's kind of I guess sometimes it's easier to find your role um, on, on a team than others, and it's it's kind of a, it's a tough spot I think for more McBain with the uh, BC, just and especially this year's team uh, more than others. With um with McBain though, what's like his, what's his calling card? I mean, you, you, we Tony mentioned his skating maybe not being uh, upper echelon or anything, so I can't imagine he's a speedster at six three. Is he is he a bruiser? Is he a physical player? Is he kind of a power forward camp in front of the net kind of guy? What's his what's his game about? Ah, yeah, he's not a speedy. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, he's kind of in that same level of he he's able to set up. He 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 sees he sees the ice well. Um, he ah, uh, yeah, he he sees the ice well. Um, when he's on, he's on. Um, I've seen a couple games where just he 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 looked like he was certainly he fit in and he was really helping out the Eagles. I've seen a couple where. It just uh, I barely noticed him, or I had to be reminded that uh, oh yes, there are three wild prospects <laughs> on the team. Um, and if if it gets if if you can see that consistency and just be a big uh, be a big uh, winger or be a big center um, who can kind of be that playmaker, it ends up being just uh, a solid player in the wild system. Um, and putting that together, I guess that the key is just kind of putting that together. Okay. All right. We're going to take another short pause here and come in and talk more uh, NHL, or I guess your NCAA uh, college players for uh, the Minnesota wild. Again, with our special guest here, Nate Wells, you're listening to locked on wild. And welcome back here on Locked on Wild. Again, our special guest from NCAA.com is Nate Wells. Uh, a jack of all uh, writers, I suppose, if you want to talk about it. He's been pretty much everywhere, uh, like, you, like you mentioned. Um, the uh, Both uh, newspapers here in the Twin Cities, a smattering of websites, and again, now writing nationally for NCAA.com. Uh, Tony, I know you wanted him to uh, talk about a 
a particular prospect that is on your radar. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about Vladislav first off. When he was drafted last year, he wasn't a guy who I had seen really be projected as a, as a first-round prospect. And that's kind of, you know, like I, I, I try to figure out, like, when I'm prepping for the draft, that I, I tend to not go super deep into it, just kind of, like, get an idea of who the first-rounders are. Uh, and first off was not a name that I saw very often, if at all. Um, and, and I believe he was one of the younger prospects to come in there too. So when Minnesota picked him at pick 42 last year, I was like, I don't really know who this guy is. And then he's going to the university of Connecticut, which is a, a small school. And I didn't really even know that Connecticut had a school. I mean, I knew that they had a school, but I, I didn't know that they were a hockey school with, uh, with like, you know, um, a division one hockey program or, or whatever. Um, so I didn't really know anything about this guy coming into the year. And then, uh, uh, he puts up a, a really solid year in his own right. We talked about Matt Boldy, uh, I think 23 points for a small program. Like I, I think there are probably advantages and disadvantages into playing a program like, uh, UConn as opposed to BC. Um, but still like, you know, pretty comparable, uh, numbers, that uh, that first off put uh, when you stack him against Boldy. Yeah, UConn. So I believe first off is the highest ever uh, drafted pick for UConn in their history. Uh, it's probably going to be they'll probably be broken this year. Uh, they have a draft eligible uh, defenseman named uh, Jan Kuznetsov, who's going to either be late first, maybe early second. Um, but oh no no sorry that's why Tage Thompson as well so after Tage Thompson he's 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 the next one okay um but it really yeah so kind of the story of UConn um obviously basketball school um but in about the last five or six years the, they've really uh, they moved into Hockey East which is a bigger conference from Atlantic Hockey where they were uh, and uh, they've started to put more and more. Uh, an emphasis on the sport. Um, Mike Kavanaugh is a former BC assistant. And one of the things he's been doing is kind of searching out, getting a lot of more international players, um, kind of as a pipeline with Russians um, and a European pipeline and bringing some of these guys in and just kind of finding a different way to win and compete in uh, hockey East. And each year it kind of seems like there's maybe going to be the one that turns the corner. It hasn't real fully happened yet. Uh, the year uh, UConn kind of uh, turned things around towards the last uh, six weeks of the season. Um, he wanted a bit of a run, but uh, it was kind of a little bit too little, too late. Um, but yeah, as far as first off goes, I got a chance to uh, watch a couple games of him in person. Uh, the uh, Connecticut, basically the Connecticut Ice, which is essentially an attempt to be uh, the bean pot for uh, the, the Nutmeg State. Um, and he's again kind of a good player who. Really impressed me. Um, uses his size well. He's kind of able to. Uh, he has. It's very speedy. He makes it almost look effortlessly on the ice, where just he maybe will take three, four strides, and all of a sudden uh, he's going. He's in the third or fourth gear. Um, he's all over. Uh, when I was watching him, I know he had a couple. Um, he had a couple opportunities that uh, either just missed, um, either a one timer, or just a highlight reel. Um, opportunity. I, I want to say he had one where he basically he went through uh, two Quinnipiac D, um, and just almost uh, was able to tie the game uh, for the Huskies. 
the use him on the power play, kind of trying to funnel it to him and uh, set him up on left circle. So there's a lot of opportunities. I think it's kind of maybe a similar thing to Boldy, where when he's getting those opportunities, um, he's finding success. Um, so we're talking like a really good mix of size and skill there, because like I know that there was like a two week stretch where first off just absolutely went off on the score sheet, and uh, from what you were describing, that is a pretty exciting combination to have, and I think that uh, that first off's emergence is here and, and putting himself on the map. Uh, at, at least uh, a little bit to start. Like there's, there's, you know, maybe, uh, maybe more in terms of, of you know what he can do in his sophomore year, and then you know in, in terms of the recognition that he gets. But I think his emergence is kind of putting Minnesota's prospect system up on on the map a little bit. Yeah, and to kind of reach that next level of prospects, um, you either need to. Uh have uh, quite a few first round picks or you need to be hitting on those second and third round picks and have them develop and kind of reach the next level. Um, and yeah, I almost feel like first off could really be that guy um, to kind of help them do it. Uh, yeah. When he is on, he's really on um, kind of those multi-point games or just a, just a really solid weekend. Um, maybe to get that next level, yeah, reach that next level um, as a sophomore um, and really, honestly, I think that might be just be Connecticut as a team. It's just to really kind of find that consistency, um, turn some of those opportunities, uh, especially those shots on goal that maybe are just going wide or the power play that's maybe struggling. Um, just those shots that go wide, go in, and just maybe create those extra chance or two that uh, pulls into something and kind of just be more consistent uh, as a sophomore. And I think for uh, for everyone who might be a little scarred by Kirill Kaprizov, right? Uh, the fact that he is in a smaller school has to be a real good sign for his chances of sticking around in North America. Yeah, he, he's in North America right now. Um, he played in the USHL. Um, it's it, it's a, certainly it's a it's a very different uh, setup than uh, someone who is uh, playing in the KHL and has not come over to North America yet. I mean, that's always kind of the big. Uh, the biggest question mark uh, when you are uh, drafting a Russian player. And I mean, it's already answered. And in, in first off's case. Speaking of Russians, here's a guy who's not Russian, but it sounds like okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nikita Nestorenko of the Chiliwack chiefs. He's going to be coming into, uh, he's going to be coming in. It was a BC next year. Yes. Okay. Now, just just assume the wild prospects at BC by at this point. Right, yeah. <laughs> if it's not a Minnesota school, it's probably BC. Um, obviously, you know you probably haven't watched too much of him because he's been with the BCHL. But uh, he's a, a player that uh, is going to be popping up here on the radar. Have you heard any rumblings about Nestorenko? Um, I know that he was really thought of um, highly. Uh, he was really he was originally committed to Brown. And he was kind of their big guy um, for next season. Um, and kind of as is the case sometimes, uh, those players open up their commitment and look around. And uh, he ended up at BC with the rest of the, the wild prospects. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that guy who get a late round pick where you have that extra year of juniors. And in his case, it really paid off. I mean, 20, he uh, ended up uh, having a 20 goal uh, season in juniors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I can't say I know too much about him. Uh, yeah. Uh, BCHL. Um, 
but I know that he was really highly thought of and he's still kind of a highly thought of guy uh, going into uh, BC. Well, he's a player then we'll have to ask you about next year after we finally get a really full season to, to kind of check him out. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to take another short pause here and then get into, I think, uh, a couple of masked men that uh, sit in that uh, that twine cage for uh, for as for wild prospects. So uh, stick through the break. You're listening to Lockdown Wild. Welcome back to Lockdown Wild here. It's Tony and I and Tony and Joe here uh, with our special guest, Nate Wells from NCAA.com. And, uh, and Nate, you you mentioned him kind of in our last segment talking about Vladislav Firstov, but uh, that uh, that somebody who's going to be coming up in this draft potentially around where the Wild could be picking is uh, Jan Kuznetsov. Yeah, um, he's a another another Russian another um, player of Connecticut who is by far the youngest player in college hockey this season. Uh, he just turned 18. Normally the youngest player is someone who maybe turns 18, like the beginning of October or something. So he pretty much played the entire season as a 17 year old. Wow. Um, don't, don't let that fool you. He's a, he's huge. He's like six to 200 pounds. It's a man's um, child. Yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, very noticeable on the ice. <laughs> Um, as a defense, uh, it's kind of seemed like though, despite that, um, can, uh, Connecticut was trying to find, uh, put him in some positive, uh, put him in some, uh, helpful situations, uh, when he had the opportunity. Um, but yeah, it's not often that you see a, a, a D play their draft eligible year in, in college, let alone someone, um, who is that young doing so. And usually those players end up struggling a little bit. It takes them a little bit to uh, find their footing. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much the exceptions to the rule are the guys who are, uh, are your Quinn Hughes or some, or Kale McCars or the people running, playing for the Calder uh, award right now. Um, So that's kind of that level. I consider that is probably a little bit below that. Um, But certainly someone who it wouldn't surprise me uh, as someone kind of looks at him being a, maybe a second round pick or something around that, on that end in that tier. Minnesota certainly had a type when it comes to defensemen. How do you think he fits in that? And, and maybe noting, of course, that uh, we are two general managers later from when Minnesota <laughs> had that type. So maybe things have changed a bit. That's, uh, that is, that is true. Uh, I know he has, uh, I mean, it's, I, it's that's the tough part is that yeah i don't it's we we don't exactly know the uh type uh a player that bill garen is we're kind of going off of history for the wild but uh recent history doesn't help too much um i can say you have a smooth skating russian who's big bodied has a a heck of a shot uh i remember he hit the uh the connecticut tournament i was talking about he had a uh slapper that just rang off the uh the pipe uh, and was about as close as you can get. That goes in. There's no way that uh, Yale goalie was going to get it. Um, whether or not that's uh, that's a Garen pick, I I'm not sure, but uh, it certainly seems like that uh, he'd be an interesting selection. With a name like Kuznetsov, you're, you're already have people asking if there's any relation to Evgeny Kuznetsov. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't believe so. Um. 
But yeah, I don't I don't believe I don't believe there is. Kuznetsov okay. is just like the Russian Smith or Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Um the the other guy who is uh perhaps on the radar for uh for a first round pick in college this year is uh Dylan Holloway, who it, I, I think you mentioned it a little earlier when you were talking about, you know, adjusting to the NCAA and how much harder it is to do that when you are uh, in your uh, in your, uh, I guess, pre-draft season, uh, uh, how it's exponentially harder to do that. But still, uh, Holloway came out of this season with uh, with 17 points in, in, fi- in 35 games, which is pretty respectable. And there are a lot of scouts who think pretty highly of him. There are, and a lot of it has to do with just the things he does on the ice that, again, kind of that Matt Boldy uh, style of uh, things that he does on the ice that you aren't uh, noticing maybe they pop up in the score sheet. Um, he he certainly, he's a very speedy guy. Um, he's really fun to watch. Um, and the way he gets over, she got overshadowed by uh, Cole Caulfield and Alex Turcat, but I think that might have been a positive. Um for Holloway this season, being that draft eligible guy, it's a really tough spot to be in. Um, just having those high expectations of being a draft eligible, eligible guy. Um, Wisconsin's had quite a few of those in the last uh, 10, 12 years. Um, Luke Cunning, obviously being the big one. Um, but uh, the, every time I'd watched Wisconsin, it seemed like he just improved throughout the year. Uh, I know maybe some people kind of feel like he – He's probably he'll be a first round pick, um, but it's kind of just as to where that will be is the question. But uh, I don't I would say don't let the numbers fool you, especially just kind of comparing it to um, comparing it to just several of the players who are those first round picks from last year that are playing college hockey and they're putting up higher numbers. Um, remember that he is a year younger um, age wise and he's playing against older players as well. Um, I wanted to talk goaltenders with you. Um, University or UMass Amherst uh, has the goaltender. If you look at EliteProspects.com and click on the In the System for the Minnesota Wild, Philip Lindbergh is atop that list with uh, for Minnesota goaltenders or drafted goaltenders in terms of I think save percentage and also like goals against average. Have you seen uh, Lindbergh play? I have, yeah, with UMass, um, it's an interesting spot because um, UMass has two really good goaltenders in uh, Lindbergh and Matt Murray, and uh, neither of them are able to kind of knock the other off of the rotation. Normally, you see a a goalie platoon, you don't think too highly of it. You're like, oh, this can't be too much, but both of them are able to end up with about nearly uh, a, a point, like a 930 save percentage. Um, they obviously certainly have a lot of help, but, uh, just the job that, uh, I think the job that Greg Carville has done turning around the UMS program can't be said enough. It's not, um, it goes beyond, it goes beyond Kale McCarr. It goes beyond, um, John Leonard. It goes beyond Mario, Mario Ferraro. Um, and you got to continue with the guys in goal, um, including, uh, Flip, Flip Lindbergh. Um, he had, the success down the stretch with uh, last season during uh, the NCAA tournament, he was the guy that uh, uh, that UMass turned to. He played in the uh, the Frozen Four. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, he really he stands out. He's a tough guy to beat. Um, he doesn't give up many bad goals. Um, he has a high save percentage. I mean, selfishly, I, it'd be great to kind of see him play more often. Um, Captain like Matt Murray was kind of getting the better of the opportunities towards the end of this season. But uh, when he's playing, um, I mean, he's he's a successful goalie, and UMass continues to be a top ten team this year. Okay. So yeah, that was one thing that we noticed because uh, looking through his stats earlier in the season, it was like, well, he hasn't really played enough games to really compare him to like say a Matt Robson who got in early and often for the Iowa Wild. And uh, it seems like you know he's pretty much been consistent all year long. But you're saying it's a pretty good, healthy uh, competition in net at UMass. Yeah, it really, it really is. Um, where uh, yeah, Matt Murray is the, and not that Matt Murray. We should I should probably point that out. It's, it's a different Matt Murray. Um, is uh, is a fine goalie of his own. Uh, I'm not fully sure. I uh, no one uh, tried to take a pick or a flyer on him. Um, along with Lindbergh, but, uh, yeah, it's neither player has been able to, uh, kind of knock off the other. Um, they pretty much each started half to half the games. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting, um, it's, uh, Lindbergh, Lindbergh's a sophomore, Murray's a junior. So, uh, they're going to, unless, unless somebody, uh, signs Murray, uh, after this year, um, it's probably going to continue. Sounds like something that the Wild could desperately use at the NHL. A one-two tandem that is so good. Who, who are you going to play? <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things that you don't see it. You don't see it find success too often with the um, – and normally one of the goalies is going to beat out another. Um, it's kind of just interesting watching this year. I, I can't think of another uh, another of the top goalie uh, teams were able to find it such so much success with a uh, goalie platoon. Um, on the women's side, uh, the go for women's had that last year uh, with Alex Goldstein and Sydney Scobie, but it's just you don't see that happen too often. Usually someone takes over on the other side, and yeah, this is two years straight of uh, no one was able to. And uh, I want to touch last on Matt Robson. Obviously, he's a former Gover. This was his first full season in pro. Um, and he, granted, he's not in the NCAAs anymore, but. Uh, you know, he got off to a, a really solid start and then has kind of faded towards the, the later half of the year. Just curious with what you've seen from Matt Robson in the past, is he a, a, a goaltender that the wild could really, I, I hear my, how am I going to put this? Is he a, a goaltender that you can see the wild potentially trying to develop and build for the future? Or is he kind of just a stand in right now because there's just a lack of depth right now in organization wide with, uh, with uh, goaltenders. Well, when they signed Matt Robson, he was one of the top, uh, if not the top uh, goalie uh, college free agents. I'd say probably last year, him and be him and Jay Kiley uh, who believe Vancouver signed. So we're bringing a guy like that. You're thinking pretty highly of being able to have him come in and develop. And um, when he and when he came in to uh, sign, he was already 23, 24 years old. Um, on the older side, uh, Robson had basically he he was a 20. He, he had a very successful year, picked in in juniors um, as a 20 year old. Um, he had to sit out a little bit, uh, essentially, for signing an OHL contract. Uh, it's a long story. I wrote a, I wrote a really nice feature on Robson maybe like four years ago for the Pioneer Press. 
that kind of gets into it. He has a really interesting hit backstory. Um, he played on a uh, junior team in Toronto that had uh, Connor McDavid, Dylan Strom, uh, Josh Hosang, uh, one or two other guys who are now NHLers and just uh, okay. was kind of on that guy where uh, he was on that track and then injuries kind of derailed him and he got back on it uh, playing juniors and playing, just having a solid career uh, in Minnesota for uh, for a year and a half. So I, I would say I think that uh, when you're bringing a guy like that, just kind of take a long way to getting there. Uh, when sure. you're bringing in a guy, <laughs> when bringing a guy like Robson, you're bringing him develop and kind of play a major role. Um, it's also the um, it it, it um, it's it's tough to be that uh, player, kind of adjust to the pros and being a college free agent. You don't have too much time to do that, um, and adjust to that pro schedule. Um, and the demands. Um, but I mean, watching Robson play and seeing him around, he's very professional. Um, he's a player who doesn't give up too many rebounds, is always in the right position at the right time. Um, the Wild are kind of lucky to have a couple of those guys in the system. Um, okay. But yeah, I, for me, kind of just seeing that down the stretch, kind of following along a little bit, I was just wondering how much of it is also just kind of being that. Uh, first year adjustment to the pros that you see uh, so many sure. players can have, uh, especially just maybe hitting that wall once you're hitting, uh, getting towards uh, the back half of the season. The Wild can only hope that, that it was just that. It was fatigue and and uh, the adjustment to so many games all at once all of a sudden. So, all right, Nate, uh, we appreciate you coming by. Where can we find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Gopher State. Um, I write uh, NCAA.com. Um, I read usually a weekly, I write like a weekly column there, uh, um, do bracketology, uh, not entirely sure what we're doing right now with, uh, the current situation. Um, I wrote a feature for college hockey Inc on, uh, the RPI on RPI's uh, big red Freakout. that if you go to the college hockey Inc's website mm-hmm. should be up. Um, and I had a blast writing that and getting on that. Um, I'm trying to think. I have um, Minnesota Hockey, uh, Minnesota Hockey Journal. The uh, current cover story uh, is uh, Nick Wolf, who signed with Boston, and uh, Tommy Muck, a pair of uh, Eden guys who are the captains of uh, Duluth and Bemidji State, respectively, kind of talk about their development at Egan mm-hmm. and, uh, and kind of their leadership roles there. And I have a couple more things that uh, kind of have to see what's going on with the uh, current situation of hockey at the moment. So yeah, so definitely say, follow you on go for on Twitter at Gopher State then. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say follow, yeah, Gophers at Gopher State, and usually you can kind of figure from there. Uh, I, I promote all the work there. But okay. yeah, everything else, uh, go click on support. Uh, a lot of people are very nice uh, to uh, let me write for their uh, outlets and websites. So. Awesome. Thanks again, Nate. Uh, Tony, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tony. You can follow my work at The Athletic Minnesota. You can follow me at JoeBoo15, as well as my work at ZoneCoverage.com. And that's going to do it for today's show. If you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can follow the podcast just look up at Lockdown Wild on Twitter. You can also get in touch with us via email. Just email us at LockdownWild at gmail.com. 
Thank you for listening to Locked On Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild every day.